Hi, welcome to Cherry Beckert's GovCon podcast, where we discuss current topics of interest to government contractors. My name is Susan Moser. I'm a partner in the firm's Government Contract Industry Group. And with me today, I have my partner, Kathy Stanton. Kathy leads our firm's state and local tax practice. And we're going to be talking about the U.S. Supreme Court's recent Wayfair decision. So I know this is a big deal to a lot of people, but Kathy, why don't you start by giving us a brief description about what this case is all about? Sure. The Wayfair case specifically looked at sales tax collection. And when a vendor is making sales, do they have to have a physical presence in the state in order for that state to require them to collect sales tax? Wayfair, as everyone knows, is a big internet retailer. The case was not just limited to Wayfair, it was actually Wayfair over stock in Newegg. Uh, but the South Dakota, state of South Dakota, enacted legislation that they would have to collect sales tax in their state, even though those vendors had no physical presence whatsoever in the state. So unfortunately, the U.S. Supreme Court, or should say fortunately from a state perspective, the U.S. Supreme Court had sided with the states and indicated that in today's environment, with all of the uh, commercial activity over the internet, the physical presence should not be a requirement to uh, make those vendors collect sales tax within the state. So, Kathy, I, I get that. So, I obviously buy lots of things from Wayfair and other things over the internet, probably more than I do in, in stores. But how does this case specifically impact government contractors? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the Wayfair case actually has a lot of consequences outside of what you would think the impact would be on its face. Um, First of all, there is no change for sales to governments. So any sales to the U.S. government and most state governments are still exempt. Uh, So that does not change the taxability of sales for government contractors. However, now when government contractors are making purchases and running their business, there are going to be more vendors that charge sales tax, and some of those sales may not be subject to sales tax. So there may be some opportunity to avoid additional sales tax being charged by being very careful in the accounts payable department uh, that you're not overcharging sales tax, for example, if you're reselling items to the government. Also, um, you will need to provide exemption certificates to to those vendors, Um, but also on the sales side, if you are selling, if if you are selling to a prime contractor, if you're in the subcontractor role, it's really important now to obtain resale exemption certificates from prime contractors everywhere, regardless of physical presence. So what we have to think about is that physical presence really does not have um, any impact now on a state's ability to tax. This case involves sales tax, but the states were very successful in eliminating a physical presence requirement for income tax for quite some time. There are certain states, such as New Mexico and Hawaii, that actually impose tax on government contractors themselves through an excise tax um, or a gross receipts tax. Uh, Hawaii, New Mexico are examples of those. So if you were depending on not paying that tax because you never stepped foot in that state, if you didn't think you owed an obli- or had any obligation, in the past, uh, that was legitimate and that was correct. But now if you're performing services where benefits received in New Mexico or Hawaii, or uh, even potentially shipping product with, with other types of services being performed, now you can have a tax liability even if you never leave the state, for example, of Virginia. And also any commercial contracts will also be impacted. 
And I know one of the things that we get involved with sometimes with companies is when they are bidding on a contract, it's important now more than ever to take into consideration potential sales tax issues before you submit your contract um, rather than worry about it after the fact. So, so Kathy, in conclusion, what are some actions that government contractors should take in light of the Wayfair decision? Well, it's really a great time to review all your sales and use tax policies and procedures. Uh, we see common errors in, with government contractors even prior to Wayfair just with regard to uh, assuming that exemptions flow through for real estate construction, which they don't always flow through for government contractors, as well as determining is your contract with the government a service contract or a procurement contract. If it's a service contract, oftentimes there are no exemptions available. The government contractor is deemed to be the end user. Um, so it's a really good time to review all of your policies and procedures, but also if a government contractor is depending at all on a physical present standard of nexus for any state taxation, they need to rethink that because physical presence is no longer required. So any government contractor where a benefit is being received outside of its state, even if there's no physical presence, they need to take a look at whether they have obligations in that state. Okay, great. So I guess my, my takeaway on all that is um, now more than ever, let the buyer and the seller beware. That's right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.